The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Monday, a very busy Monday already. Gary, how are you? Uh, doing really uh, good. Lots to talk about here uh, coming up here on uh, the show. Who might be uh, a speaker? Also, the uh, <laughs> the scuttlebutt on the stories out there that McCarthy allies are trying to get him back again. Uh, will the search for a speaker be accelerated rapidly after what happened uh, in Israel? We'll get to that here in just a couple of uh, uh, moments. I can't wait to play this audio cut. I'll tell you what the I'll just read you what the audio cut is, and it's from uh, Democratic uh, Mayor Eric Adams of New York City. Mm. Okay, this is after his trip, his discouragement trip. Yeah, that uh, he uh, he took to other countries to discourage them from coming to New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, "Quote: We can't have a rule that one can come from anywhere on the globe and come to New York City and remain in New York City as long as they want, and taxpayers must pick up the cost." End of quote. Yeah, you you can, and you guys decided on it a long time ago. That's what sanctuary city policy is. That's exactly why. Unless you're speaking only to the local leaders, your party has control of this. They can change it now. Yeah, that is what your party has endorsed for a couple of decades now. Right. This isn't new. What? Well, we define a sanctuary city as a pretend place. It's like Oz. <laughs> right. It's a unicorn land. <laughs> a sanctuary city is where we pretend that we will take anyone from anywhere until they actually wish to come here and then we don't want them here. Hmm, isn't that xenophobia and racism, well, the, according to Democratic standards? The hmm. uh, people of New York should know that they don't care. The local people in charge absolutely don't care. No, They and, have the power to change this now, but they're not going to change it. You know, it's, it's the same BS as... as 
as Biden on the border wall. You're building a wall. Don't say you're forced to build a wall. Oh, we don't like building a wall, but doggone it, we can't do anything about it, says the guy who always does something about it and punches right through the Constitution to get it done. But on this item, no, there's no, sorry, we can't do anything about it. That's exactly what this is. That's Mayor Adams and and his situation in New York City. And uh, got a lot of messaging in here saying, my God, with the Hamas attack that we'll get into here uh, uh, on, uh, excuse me, the uh, I want to make sure I use the correct vocabulary, the mm-hmm. massive Hamas terrorist attack mm-hmm. uh, on, uh, on, on Israel, which is just so uh, horrific. And, uh, you know, the, the questions of where was, number one, Israeli intelligence, but number two, where was American intelligence here? That's one of the clo- most closely watched places. Well, you know, out uh, of between, all... between Gaza and, and Israel and and monitoring Iran. Remember, Hamas every year roughly gets one hundred million dollars uh, from from Iran. Mm-hmm. And we'll get by the way, we'll get into all the, the in just a moment here. The the uh, should we be negotiating with Iran? Mm-hmm. No, as we have said for years, but uh, got plenty of uh, input. And I was telling you right before we went on the air. Look, the people that are uh, writing to us and saying, my God, what happened there? And we've got basically open borders where anybody can come across Mm -hmm. and terrorists can come across and Mm -hmm. we can't stop them Mm -hmm. from doing it. Are there sleeper cells in the United States? It's the first thing I thought of. Totally legit question to ask. If Israel is caught off guard by Hamas, think about that. If Israel is caught off guard by Hamas, Look at our porous border. Look at the chaos on the border. Look what border patrol agents have been telling us for a while about who's crossing the border. It's the first. How could it not be one of your first thoughts? An idiot of the week. Hmm. Uh, well, okay, idiot of the day. because it, Or maybe the hour. It, 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 yeah, you it, know, it, it's, it's, it's it moves early. very quickly. Uh, it has to be Secretary of State. Uh, Blinken mm. yesterday on on Meet the Press. Mm. Listen, listen to this. I mean, they're they're the liberals are asking the, the liberals are asking the question. Yeah, liberal media is asking the question that everybody is wondering. What do you say about the argument that money is fungible? So Iran may have known this money is coming and used other funds to help fund this attack that happened. Iran has ha, Iran has unfortunately always used and focused its funds on supporting terrorism, on supporting groups like uh, like Hamas. Uh, and it's done that when there have been sanctions. It's done that when there haven't been sanctions. And so we're okay with them having the money. It, Why it, not just it, give them all the money? In fact, we're thinking about giving them a, another loan on top of the money. They're, they're going to use the money no matter what. So we <laughs> might as well give it to them. Look, Let's give them a lot more. Look, we, we, know, we know that the kidnappers... The kidnappers are going to kidnap whether we pay the ransom or not. Mm-hmm. But we pay the ransom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so there's no difference whether you pay the ransom right. or whether you don't pay the ransom or whether you're tough uh, or whether you're not tough, mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter. They're going to do whatever they want. We in the Western world are completely helpless can't do anything, so we might as well try to be their friends. Yeah, right. 
idiots. Idiots are running this country. Absolute idiots are running no, this country. No, they are morons to the bone. They are morons to the bone. This is, it, it doesn't get any more thoughtless than this. No. I can't believe he said that. Well, they're going to do it anyway, so... Might as well give them the money. Might as well give them the money. It's, it's... <laughs> I sent my wallet along with it. I was, mean, there, I just thought... was there any other message that he was giving there? No. I was like, my God. No. It's like, now they just... No, now... he wasn't even trying to spin. <laughs> now they decide to be honest. <laughs> right. <laughs> what the... Right. I mean, it's it's it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. You know, you uh, aside from the Americans in Israel, Americans on American soil are in danger as a result of this. We said it when it happened, and it's playing out right now. And you can throw in the creation of the terrorism superstate that is Afghanistan. And everything that's going on there. Well, if you go back, if you go back to uh, uh, one of the Israeli defense commanders a couple of uh, months ago was talking about the fact that Hamas has American weapons mm-hmm. from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they've identified American right. weapons over right. there. Right. But you take everything. I mean, there's so much we can talk about surrounding this because it really it really uh, encompasses Americans, uh, America's foreign policy just overall, which is so incredibly weak uh, right now. And and one of the questions or one of the thoughts that was put out yesterday by by many people, and we'll get to the specifics here throughout the show, is, you know, we absolutely uh, in, you know, uh, support uh, Israel. And the question from many Israel supporters are, will the language be the same two weeks from now? Mm-hmm. Or will it be, okay, Israel, you've done enough. Now we need to have a ceasefire. You notice the Democrats had said, Yesterday, whether it was AOC or Talib, whatever the the squad, uh, we need a ceasefire right now. Mm-hmm. Well, what you're saying is that Israel needs to accept a terrorist attack. Right. These people and are, do nothing about it. These people are absolutely reprehensible. They really, really are. Yeah. And as John Nolte pointed out on on on, on Breitbart, you know, they're celebrating. You saw, you know, the Democratic Socialists around the country in the United States cheering mm-hmm. the slaughter of civilians. Remember, this is not an attack on military installations. No, no. This was attack, a pure attack to kill as many civilians as possible and brutalize uh, civilians. As I said, I when I woke up the other day and, and saw some of the video on, well, a lot of the video on, on Twitter, I don't know if they kept all of it on or not, but mm-hmm. I mean, it was... It was absolutely some of the most horrific thing. Well, when people said, well, it reminds you of the Holocaust, I understand why they said that. Right. No, this is an all-out attack, and it really makes you wonder what happened to Intel. Where's global Intel on this? How in the world did Israel and the U.S. miss it, and how did any, and all of our allies who have a direct interest? Right. How did that happen? Everybody missed this. They were talking about, I'll find it here. Uh, I forgot who wrote it uh, over the weekend saying, you know, the way they probably got away with it was the fact that only a few people know knew. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, the uh, Hamas uh, T 
terrorists mm-hmm. didn't know what the mission was until they were sent on the well, mission. Well, that, that was, that's, that was that's how the you do tactic it. on 9 11. Right. And, 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 but you sit there and you look at it and it's like, okay, what about the money transfers? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the fact is, when you are, when you, as a, the question is, all right, I'll put it in the form of a question, not a fact, because mm-hmm. I don't know for sure. But when you are completely obsessed with negotiating and giving your enemies uh, a sweet deal on a consistent basis, when you want your enemies to be your friends so much, the question is, are you actually keeping your eye on the truth of the matter and what they are actually trying to do to destroy you when your whole goal is is to appease them and bow down before them. That is a legitimate question to ask mm-hmm. about this administration. Oh, yeah. And once again, the competence or lack thereof of the current president. Yeah. He's not capable as a commander-in-chief. And we don't know. I mean, that, for example, we know at least four Americans were killed. We know at least four Americans were killed. We know that they believe that some Americans were taken hostage here mm-hmm. in this, you know, in this particular situation. What we've talked about before, yeah, go after, go after, go after Western targets. Go after Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, do whatever you need to do because this administration has shown we will appease our enemies on a number of fronts. Mm-hmm. We'll lie to the American public about Afghanistan. We'll pull out. We'll say our general said one thing when the general said the the other thing. Thirteen Americans get thirteen American soldiers get killed. No real big deal. Complete incompetence there that sent the message to the world were not serious at all. And you then sp- Biden doesn't want to answer questions about it and literally turns his back multiple times right. on the U.S. and our allies. Literally. In the days after that. There's so many things, and uh, we'll continue the talk here because I I just realized we're getting close. I've got like, I could talk for the next five hours on this. Mm. Um, But it's not pleasant, and it's not pleasant, you know, the policies of of the the United States right now. But, you know, these things happen. I I don't know how much Americans really care about it or understand it or actually are fearful of what has happened here and the message that it is that it is sent out. Yeah, I, um, I, I would question how many people yeah. are paying attention and how big this is. Know exactly what's happened. This isn't a normal attack on Israel. This is not going to be a typical war between Israel and Hamas. No, it's not. This is all new ground here. And the way that Israel typically behaves, it may literally be scorched earth. 866-90-RED-EYE. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. This preventative maintenance tip is brought to you by Hotshot Secret, the country's number one fastest-growing oil and additive company. If you've been driving a diesel any length of time, you know diesel fuel quality can be an issue. There are U.S. standards that diesel fuel is supposed to meet, like cetane number, lubricity, a.k.a. wear protection, deposit control. But oftentimes, the fuel at the pump 
falls short. Let's highlight diesel fuel cetane number. In most states, the minimum a cetane number can be is 40. Through years of testing, Hotshot Secret has found the average cetane number across the nation is between 42 to 45. And most modern engines are built in tune to operate best with a cetane number closer to 50. This is why a premium additive is needed to keep cetane numbers up. To keep the engine operating at its best while helping with fuel economy and DPF regeneration cycles. Add Hotshot Secret Everyday Diesel Treatment, a 6-in-1 fuel booster at every fill-up to keep cetane numbers in a premium range while also protecting your fuel system. Learn more about the science behind diesel fuel and Hotshot Secret's Everyday Diesel Treatment at HotshotSecret.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, this uh, audio cut is from Fox News uh, yesterday, Fox News Sunday. Deputy National Security Advisor John Finer on, and this question was asked to him. But the Wall Street Journal editorial board, when news of that unfreezing came, said this. What stands out in this deal is a $6 billion ransom. They refer to the, the Secretary of State. They say, though Mr. Blinken says it will only be available for humanitarian trade like food and medicine, the reality is that the waiver now frees up funds for Iran's nuclear program, terrorism, and proxy wars. Your response? Uh, look, we've been quite clear that we just have a fundamentally different view of this situation and that we believe those criticisms uh, are not well-founded and, and, frankly, inaccurate. Any implication uh, that money that has not yet been spent, not a single dollar of that money has yet been spent, uh, it had any role in, in the attacks. Uh, that's not the question she that's, asked. That's, that's not what she asked, and you know it. Yeah. Anybody who's following along understands and has has since the beginning of all this. You know how it works. Yeah. You can use that other money for humanitarian purposes, which means it frees up money 
that you've got otherwise to do whatever you want, including try and wipe Israel off the map. And the other point that's been uh, uh, brought up is the fact that the Biden administration has not been going after Iran for their oil sales. Right. They've not been enforcing. Right. right. And that's where a ton of money is also coming in as that was brought up. And that question uh, I have not seen asked to officials yet, Hmm. but it's something that has been noted uh, by many out there saying, well, you know something, remember, uh, when the sanctions were going on, Iran was really hurting with Trump. Yeah. Really hurting. And when Biden came back in, they're not really enforcing the oil embargo. Right. And so that has enriched them with hundreds of millions of dollars, possibly billions of dollars worth of uh, of of cash. Look, we know it. If you're a Democrat, it doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican, liberal or conservative. You know about Islamic radicalism mm-hmm. and you understand Iran and you understand Hamas and Hezbollah and what their goals are. And I go back uh, to the 9-11 Commission. And this is where we in America in America are a bunch of idiots because it was clear what was the major problem there. They were at war with us. We were not war with them. And the same thing holds today. Now we're too worried about hurting somebody's feelings. That was the official bipartisan analysis that was really never talked about. Mm-hmm. It was like intelligence, intelligence, intelligence. You're going to hear it now, intelligence, intelligence. Intelligence, as we talked about in on nine eleven, we said well, about nine eleven. Well, if you've got the intelligence, but don't do it, if you don't do anything, what does it matter? Right. We need better intelligence, and you would do what with that intelligence before nine eleven? Because nine eleven commission talked about we should have had preemptive attacks before nine eleven ever happened. That was right. bipartisan, right? Democrat and Republican. That wasn't promoted by the media. No. No. But what came out of it was they're at war with us always. We decide, well, we don't wish to be at war. Right. Well, we're too busy appeasing. And join the conversation. One eight six six ninety Red Eye Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Here's uh, more from uh, Blinken uh, yesterday. Yesterday on Meet the Press, Mr. Secretary, does the administration know at this point if U.S. citizens were among the dead or those taken hostage? So we have reports that. Several uh, Americans may be among the dead. We are very actively working to verify those reports. Similarly, we've seen reports about um, about hostages, and there again, we're very actively trying to verify them uh, and uh, nail that down. By the way, the, the uh, press did catch the fact that uh, the White House was holding a barbecue on Saturday night for staff as a special celebration. Yeah, you couldn't put the brakes on the staff. that. Yeah. I mean, it's just you just you you shake you just shake your head looking at some of the news items out there just so people know uh, that what uh, uh, a couple of things here. First, uh, Newsweek had a story back in June uh, that was uh, published in June uh, 
uh, uh, and where an Israeli commander said that uh, U.S. small arms seized in Afghanistan had already been observed in the hands of Palestinian groups operating in the Gaza Strip. Mm-hmm. That was back in June. Right. And that's because of our withdrawal from Afghanistan. Yep. Uh, you've heard some of the response uh, from... I'll just read it right here. Right on schedule, the Democratic Party's anti-Israel faction is responding to Hamas's assault with calls for a ceasefire and an end to the violence. This is a mirage that will protect Hamas and guarantee more violence. So uh, the Hamas attacks, we know any 700-plus killed. I saw an 1,100 figure that Netanyahu said that was broken down as 700 Israelis and because of the attacks... 400 in gaza but i've seen that that it's over 1100 so i, I yeah i've seen it multiple times I've over seen, 11 yeah I've, I've seen it i've seen it you know all over the place but we we know this was they're calling it israel's 9-11 but when you think about this attack i mean you think about the the concert that they were holding out there in the desert it almost yeah. sounded like it was like their kind of mini uh burning man or something right uh and they were coming out of the exits and there were just hamas terrorists just gunning people down yeah. shooting them down yep. completely unarmed c- civilians this isn't an attack like a war attack well no this isn't this, point, this isn't even this isn't even like a pearl harbor no at, at at this point there could be no question about the tactics of hamas right and when i say pearl harbor i mean because the japanese were you know, for the most part attacking military mm-hmm. uh you know uh, 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 military uh, uh things in, in pearl harbor as we know this was completely focused on killing as many civilians as they could kill. Oh, yeah. And when you have uh, Representative Alan Omar and AOC condemn the assault on Israel, but they follow that with calls for both sides to end the violence. Uh-huh. As, even as Hamas militia were gunning down at that point Israel, Israeli women and children yeah. in their homes. Right. At the time that they were doing it. John Nolte, I think, says it uh, uh, clearer. Uh, he talks about the fact and and uh, and saying, uh, what I mean is that in that case, I could give those who are celebrating Hamas in Germany, London, America, and Canada, and elsewhere, the benefit of the, the, the doubt. Maybe they just don't know. Uh, maybe they have fallen for the uh, Christian Amapur, uh, Amapurin of Israel. Maybe they sincerely believe Israel is uh, a brutal occupation force and that Hamas is fighting the righteous fight of the occupied. No. They were cheering, openly cheering, the kidnapping, torture, rape, and murder of girls, women, and old women. They are championing, openly championing, uh, the cold-blooded slaughter of children, families, and the elderly. They are siding, openly siding, with those using social media to celebrate the mutilation of raped, tortured, and murdered corpses. Whether every video of the savages committing this slaughter is verified or accurate is not the point. The point is that those celebrating this attack on Israel believe what those who paraded and cheered for Hamas in New York's Times Square uh, Saturday believe 
and what they believe is that they are celebrating is the rape and murder of old women and the slaughter of children. Do you understand who lives among us? Those who openly celebrate the murder and rape of innocence of children, old women, and young girls. Among us are those who watched the same media, social media violence, viciousness, and violence. We have all watched and then took to the streets to support, excuse me, to express their support. They saw the same thing we did, Mm -hmm. and that's how they reacted. Right. Just as horrifying, just as morally obscene as those who tolerate, those who celebrate savagery, Governor Whitmer of Michigan deliberately released a cryptic statement meant to show support for Hamas. I have been in touch with communities impacted by what's happening in the region. It is abhorrent. My heart is uh, with all of those impacted. We need peace in the region. Yes, the poor, victimized region. Congresswoman Alan Omar condemned the slaughter of innocents, but then, if you read between the lines, demanded that there be no justice or consequence for the slaughter by calling for a ceasefire. Only a fool can't see through that. AOC has expressed her tolerance of this horror uh, through 24 hours of radio silence, even as her fellow New Yorkers took to Times Square to openly celebrate Mm. medieval savagery. Not a peep from Barack Obama, not a peep from Hillary Clinton. We are watching unspeakable horrors, and America's chief virtue signalers are either silent or dog-whistling their tolerance for the horrors. By the way, AOC came out later on, I think, and said, you know, ceasefire. Yeah. That's not happening. No, that's not going to happen. And when the ceasefire doesn't happen and Iran con- or, excuse me, uh, Israel continues to attack back, because they're going to destroy a lot, there'll be calls in, from Democrats even louder mm-hmm. uh, over the next week for Israel to stop. Yeah, the, uh, they'll, they'll blame Israel. Once they respond in the way that I suspect that they're going to respond. I think on the bigger question, too, the question would be then how fully involved is Iran from this point on? Well, as the Wall Street Journal and others have noted. That the. um, In in the weeks that we were negotiating to get the hostages back and give them the six, you know, the the $6 billion that we had frozen mm-hmm. from oil sales. Again, mm-hmm. remember, this is from oil sales. Right. They were planning. That's what the news reports say. They were planning, doing the finalized planning with Hamas on this. Right. And both Hamas and Hezbollah have said that yes, Iran both, was yes, central yes, yes. You know, to the planning. Right. So, again, how how committed is Iran here? Because they know that there's a response from Israel coming. And then what? And if the intel didn't see this, if global intel missed this, then what do we have going forward? If they have mastered radio silence, because a lot of what we did, and this, by the way, was part of the reason that we had an advantage with at least a few thousand troops left in Afghanistan. 
it gave us plenty of intel from from that vantage point. And, of course, we're crippled, and, and this would be one of those situations that we warned about after the botched exit of Afghanistan. So if they've mastered radio silence, I'm, I, I, I'm just dying to know how in the world global intel picks up on the next move. Because they know there's no way that Israel does not respond. Former Trump national security advisor, this is almost a duh comment, but Mm. I want to read it. Uh, The former Trump national security advisor, Robert O'Brien, criticized the Biden administration for paying Iran $6 billion in ransom money, uh, saying that it incentivized Hamas to take Americans in Israel hostage on Saturday as it launched a number of terrorist attacks across the country. While welcoming our Iran hostages home, I said at the time, paying ransom on freezing $6 billion is problematic because it incentivizes new hostage-taking and gives terrorists money for new operations. I don't think that uh, we would see these points illustrated so vividly and so quickly. Hmm. Why, I, why, why not? I, we, yeah, no, I don't, we, I don't know what I expected. I, I actually uh, thought that that was a strong possibility. Again, if you combine everything that's happened over the past couple of years, you're strengthening our enemy. We are strengthening our enemy in the Middle East. And elsewhere, our enemies around the world, begging them for oil. Yep. Not worried about our own security, not worried about our own energy and economic security and national security. No, the southern border is open. And I don't know, again, there's not going to be a turnaround on that on that policy. We're not going to see anything in that regard from this administration. Let's hear more from Blinken yesterday. This is on CNN, the Secretary of State. The accusation is that Iran's posture, excuse me, the, that the U.S., your administration's posture towards Iran has helped contribute to this. I want to get you give you a chance to respond. Well, there are two things here. First, with regard to the, uh, the funds that you mentioned um, that um, uh, were released to, were made available to Iran for humanitarian purposes uh, as part of uh, getting Americans back who are being held and detained in Iran. Let's be very clear about this. And it's deeply unfortunate that some are playing politics. There you go. Some are playing politics. Uh-huh. The only people playing politics here is you, Mr. Blinken. Right. Well, you know, you anybody can see the picture. Yeah. It's right in front of you if you're willing to look. We we knew before this happened that Iran was the world's leading exporter of terrorism. Mm-hmm. We know that. Mm-hmm. This isn't new. The Obama administration, the Biden administration appeased Iran continuously over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And this can, what we saw over the weekend, is the only result of it. And so there is a legit concern knowing what they were doing on a pretty heavily secured border. Yeah. What they were actually still able to, to do and the immediate thought of so many Americans, I know because that's the that's the 
most number of responses I got, my God, if they did this here, what are Islamic radicals with an open border like we have? And should there be a concern of sleeper cells in the United States? Absolutely. Right. I mean, you look at Hamas and Hezbollah. Iran is funding all the terrorist groups. It's not just Hamas and Hezbollah. It is all of them. And our borders are wide open. They're wide open. And they have been since January 20th of 2021. If they've been planning this for a long time, keep in mind 9-11. The planning and the carrying out of that plan was years, years. in the yeah. making. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. More uh, uh, coverage on the situation in uh, Israel uh, coming up. Uh, plus, who will be speaker? Mm. Now, oh, and I saw over the weekend that McCarthy allies trying to convince him to run again. And yeah. now the mm. urgency that there is no Republican leader of the House yeah. that's there to comment on right. Israel right now. Right. And that might accelerate what is... Uh, uh, going on, so we will get uh, to uh, that. Oh, and and uh, man, you see, <laughs> Eric Adams on his tour. Oh my gosh, uh, for immigration, a uh, Pritzker. Yeah, talking about the fact. Well, it's going to get cold, and you know you don't want to be in Chicago or New York. It's getting cold. Yeah, go somewhere else where it's warm. I hear California is nicest time of the San year. San Francisco has openings. That's what I hear. It's- I can't believe they're actually handing out pamphlets for San Francisco. And we were actually joking about that for a couple of days. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio. On Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, I just, you know, read so much, as I'm sure a lot of people did over the weekend, about 
you know, what the, the terrorist attack in uh, the Hamas terrorist attack in uh, in Israel. And, and you're just you couldn't avoid it if you were on X, formerly known as yeah. Twitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, the scenes were just horrendous. I wonder if Twitter ended up blocking some of those. I didn't see anybody claiming they did. I didn't see where they did. Yeah, I mean, there was just, I mean, some brutal, absolutely yeah. brutal uh, scenes there. I think the Wall Street Journal and their lead editorial, just, I want to read a couple of paragraphs, really sums it up. Hmm. The scenes of Israeli uh, civilians gunned down in the streets, children and grandmothers taken hostage, and Palestinians cheering it all are awful to behold. But behold, the world must, because Saturday's assault from Gaza shows the reality of a of the global disorder that is expanding by the month. Israel is on the front line, but all of the democratic world is a target. The scale and initial success of the attacks punctured many illusions. One is that Israel is secure in its rough neighborhood. The Jewish state may have technological superiority, but it is still threatened by enemies north, south, and east. As a weekend evolved, it became clear this was no simple terrorist attack. It was part of what Hamas and its allies hope is an extended war against Israel on Israeli uh, soil. It is supported by Iran and Hezbollah in Lebanon that could unleash a second front in Israel's north. Uh, The surprise assault was clearly in the planning for months and was time for the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War of 1973. It took Israeli troops hours to reach some of the towns overrun by armed Palestinian militants, suggests that even Israelis underestimated the threat. There will be a reckoning about the intelligence failure once this crisis has passed. Another myth busted is that Palestinians will live in peace with Israel if they get a state of their own. Not as long as Hamas and the Islamic Jihad can terrorize and dominate Palestinians. Israel ceded Gaza to the Palestinians in 2005. But Hamas took over in 2007 and assassinates anyone in the territory who challenges its goal of expelling the Jews from all of Israel. And please, no more condemnation of Israel's blockade or occupation. Israel has been allowing 17,000 people from Gaza to work in Israel each day and would like to allow more. Western critics of Israel don't live in range of Hamas or Hezbollah rockets supplied by Iran. They don't have to fear that their grandparents may be dragged from their homes and imprisoned in a Hamas basement to be traded if they aren't murdered. No Israeli government can afford to cede control of more territory that, be, that could become a launching pad for Hamas attacks. Israel faces some difficult choices in the days ahead. A return to the status quo before Saturday's assault would seem to be intolerable. Hamas would be uh, able to rearm, rebuild its tunnels, and wait to attack again. But an Israeli invasion of Gaza and reinstatement of Israeli control would be costly if lives uh, in lives and risk that Hezbollah would open up a second front in Lebanon. Iran-backed Hezbollah has been stockpiling tens of thousands of missiles. A new buffer zone of several miles between Gaza and Israel is another uh, mooted opinion. The response uh, is Israel's to make, but it deserves Western support. My administration's 
Support for Israel's security is rock solid and unwavering, President Biden said on Saturday. And we're glad to hear it. But the temptation at the White House will be to give Israel a week or so to respond with a free hand and then lean on the Netanyahu government to stand down. We all know that's coming, don't we? That is always a U.S. pattern. It should not be this time. If a wider war breaks out, the U.S. will have to provide Israel with arms and diplomatic support necessary to destroy Hamas and the military capacity of Hezbollah. The assault also underscores the continuing problem of Iran. The government in Tehran cheered on the attacks, and it has provided uh, rockets, weapons for Hamas. It may uh, have been encouraged, the timing as well, hoping the war will block any near-term chance of reapproachment between Israel and Saudi Arabia, the Biden administration's failure to enforce oil sanctions against Iran, as well as its payment of $6 billion for U.S. hostages, looks even more misguided after this bloody weekend. The attacks on Israel, horrible as they are, at least provide some moral clarity about the stakes in the Middle East. One side seeks the destruction of Israel and the Jews. The other arms itself to protect its citizen citizens and the state from destruction. The internal Israeli debates over its Supreme Court look trivial next to the threat to Israel's existence. Hmm. The assault on America's closest Middle East ally is also a warning about how dangerous the world is becoming as U.S. power uh, uh, will, uh, if, if U.S. power recedes, bad actors feel empowered to fill the vacuum. American isolationists on the right and left may wish to look away, but the U.S. cannot dodge the consequences. We've seen this over and over again over the years. I mean, the fall of Mosul, you know, and and that went on for nearly three years. You see uh, what's going on now in the building of a terrorism super state in Afghanistan after the botched exit of Afghanistan by the United States. And it's so it's mind-boggling how people uh, either don't know. They they don't want to pay attention to what's going on. They put their heads in the sand or that for some reason they ignore the truth or they just don't want to remember how our allies felt about that botched exit of Afghanistan. The world looked at us and it was not laughing. It was quite the opposite. I remember in Parliament where members of Parliament were talking about the fallen their colleagues. I remember how this president turned his back and, by the way, did the same thing. He's, he's, he's not going to change. He's not capable of governing. He's not capable as commander-in-chief. And here we are in a situation where not long after they announced that they were going to release those funds back to Iran, Iran orchestrated a massive attack with Hamas on Israel. None of this is a coincidence. It's all by choice. We allow people to get away with it. We allow this walking on eggshells approach because we're too damn afraid of insulting someone and hurting their feelings. 
It's also for some reason, I mean, it's when you think about it, it's almost the ostrich putting their head in the sand. It's almost as if we refuse after 9-11 to recognize, even though we, you know, that's why we talk about the 9-11 commission Mm -hmm. that basically said, you know, Islamic radicalism, which this is all a part of. Right. uh, No matter what we think, they're at war with us or they're going to be at war with us, whether we're at war with them or not. Right. And that's the same thing in Afghanistan when we pulled out and Americans for the for the most part, the majority wanted to pull out, and we were like, "No, what you do is you keep that status quo of, you know, two to five two to five thousand troops. You keep the airport and you keep the military bases that you have there, so you have a jumping off point. Right. That's what you do. That's part of the reality of it. You but also I'm, have a central uh, an advantage point uh, when it comes to to intel for that entire region. And that was also talked about what's going on in Ukraine. One of the problems is Ukraine. And this was uh, brought up yesterday, and we'll get to more of it, is the fact that the Biden administration didn't want Ukraine to put to do such incredible damage onto Russia where Russia would back off early. Mm. And so the wishy-washiness of supplying them what they needed, and then it gets to the point after, what is it now, a year and a half, mm. where Americans say, okay, enough, let's let's get out. Right. We don't want a forever war. It looks like no sides winning. And that's because of the response that that, uh, you know, that that happened there where Americans now are like, OK, get out. Republicans screaming, get out, get out, get out, get out. We have to confront Russia. Mm-hmm. I can't trust this administration to do it right. And I'm not saying how the administration has done it is right. But you have to confront Russia, China. North Korea and Islamic radicalism worldwide. And Islamic radicalism isn't going away any time in our lifetime. No, and, and the head of that snake, in terms of sovereign nations, is Iran. Is, is Iran. And there seems to be a refusal to admit that or recognize that, even by the citizens of the United States. Right. And we say every 9-11, don't ever, you know... Uh, always remember, never, we'll never forget. We forgot. Yeah, right. We forgot. We said it this past 9-11. The president couldn't even be bothered to be on site. Right. Never forget. Of course we forget. We forget by our actions. Well, I remember it happened. Well, it doesn't matter. Never forgetting means not only do you never forget, but you recognize who your enemy is and you prepare your country knowing that that enemy still is in existence and will attack you. And look, I didn't come up with the 9-11 Commission. I wasn't part of it. That was Democrats and Republicans together who said, the problem is they're at war with us, we're not at war with them, and they don't care either way. Nope. And what do you hear from the current Secretary of State? Well, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. Right. That was his answer going to do what they're going to do and so we th- believe we're doing the right thing it is you're what insane it is. insane 866-90-RED-EYE brought to you by fppf fuel power max leased owner operators should be aware of four common revenue myths lest you fall into the trap of mistaking revenue for profit myth one concentrate on increasing revenue because costs will take care of themselves This is not true, as costs are fundamental to the profit equation and the area where owners exert the most control to improve. Myth 2. 
More revenue per mile is the answer to all problems. Though carrier pay packages differ in structure, revenue per mile really doesn't change much from company to company. But there can be a big difference in miles, overall gross revenue, reimbursements, and fees. Myth 3. All you have to do to be successful is run a lot of miles. In reality, revenue is only half of the profit equation. Costs are the other half. It's possible to generate a lot of revenue, yet spend a dollar ten to make every dollar. Myth 4. You can tell how well you're doing by the size of your settlement check. The settlement check is only a part of the success picture. Miles driven, loads hauled, conditions, mechanical problems, time off, and especially costs all have to be considered. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. I see that uh, you had uh, one of the liberal Congress people from New York, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Richie Torres, who just blasted the squad. Mm. He just went, uh, you know, just you know, what in the hell are you talking about? Right. You know the the massacre here, and and we talked about Talib and and uh, Omar and and AOC. And and I think John Nolte from Breitbart had a great point. Understand the people that live among us and actually represent us that in a, in a way are actually cheering, you know, these terrorist attacks and, and the horrible scenes that everybody has seen. And that's the point. They're not affected by it except to say, all right, uh, uh, let's have a ceasefire, mm-hmm. which you know, they're not attacking. You know, you, was it um, was it Talib who came out and said, well, this is a result of the Israeli apartheid. Well, no, I, I saw a lot of that. Putting the fault on is the Israelis. Yeah. And, you know, that's something you and I expect because we've been covering this long yeah. enough. Yeah, we've been following along. But when they are elected representatives, you need to know who they are and how they think. And this is who they are. This is how they think. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just you just you shake your head. I'm trying to find the story ahead of here, and then I lost it. <laughs> it was right in front of me, and I'm like, okay, where to go? <laughs> well, and 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 this could be a you know this is this is a real pivotal moment in the Middle East. There's no doubt, but I think globally this could be a major pivotal moment to have everybody stand up and say, let's all wake the hell up. Yeah, here it is. Furious Democrat uh, slammed squad members for repulsive statements on Israel's attack. Mm. Democratic Representative Richie Torres called out his Democratic colleagues, Cori Bush and Rashida Tlaib, for their statements on recent attacks on Israel. Uh, by And that's the other word, too, because they say uh, Palestinian militants. And he's like, they're not militants. No. He actually went after that, that word being used, mm. said they're not militants, they're terrorists. To leave a member of the so, and they use it in that Yahoo story. They say militants who have killed more than seven hundred people in total over the past two days. Uh, to leave a member of the so-called squad of progressive lawmakers first issued a statement on the attacks 
that called Israel an apartheid system that creates the suffocating, uh, dehumanizing conditions that can lead to resistance. She also called for U.S. to stop its funding for Israel, saying that as long as the U.S. provides unconditional funding to support the apartheid government, this heartbreaking cycle of violence continues. Cory Bush also called, called for the U.S. to halt funding for Israel. Torres called both statements reprehensible and repulsive. Well, it comes from the same side that was, you know, in the years after 9-11, blaming the U.S. for 9-11. If it weren't for everything we did, going back to Russia and Afghanistan and everything in between, then this wouldn't have happened. And he also said the media should stop sanitizing terrorists as militants. Mm. Torres slammed the media for sanitizing Hamas terrorists who brutally attacked uh, Israel and killed at least 700 Israelis. Quote, if you murder, wound, rape, and abduct civilians and children as Hamas has done, you are not a militant. You are a terrorist. The media should stop sanitizing terrorists as militants, he tweeted on Saturday. There can't be any question after this. Their tactic was to seek out civilians. This is what they wanted to do. They were looking to kill civilians. This wasn't isolated to military strategic points. This is about going after civilians. They're terrorists. There can't be any doubt anymore. Anybody else that's saying otherwise is a liar. This is who Hamas is. This is how they want this all to go down. This is why they did a big attack, knowing they were going to get mass casualties as a result of this attack. And Iran was behind the planning. There there can't be any question about Iran anymore either. While you had the United States negotiating and cheering This is such a great thing we're doing. Iran was in the planning stages with Hamas for this attack on Israel. Yep. And remember, because we're not enforcing the oil embargo, Iran has already enriched themselves. They've got hundreds of millions, possibly billions of dollars. Yep. Because the United States wishes to cater to the will of Iran. Yep. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. I'm trying to find here. I just did a search now. I mean, uh, after the, uh, the the terrorist attack uh, in, in Israel, really, you know, any coverage of anything else really sort of stopped. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, for a while, and... Um, 
I was I was just looking at because uh, when we were here on Thursday night, Friday morning, we had the discussion on Biden saying that he had no choice on uh, the border wall, that it was law and he must follow it. Uh-huh. And we said, well, that's not true. Now, maybe it might be in a couple of years if a court ordered him to do that. But no right. court ordered him to do that. Right. And if he is waiving environmental laws, then that is a choice by the administration not to fight for those environmental laws and take that to court. Yeah. Because they're not saying the court told us we need nope. to, uh, you know, uh, avoid the, uh, the uh, you know, or excuse me, that we need to repeal uh, the the laws, the environmental laws there. They decided to do it. Right. They decided to waive it. They don't need to do it. I didn't see any coverage of that over the weekend. Well, no, I mean, they were using the excuse that by law we have to use these appropriations for the intended purpose. But then on the other side of it, they were willing to set aside dozens, a couple of dozen at least, environmental laws and regulations. Okay, now I see Andrew McCarthy did write uh, from uh, the uh, National Review, buying his... Biden is lying about the border wall. He goes, the left is in revolt over Biden's sudden conversion to border wall construction. So it won't. Uh, so as uh, as it. Uh, oh, <laughs> he goes, the left is in revolt over Biden's sudden conversion to border wall construction. So as is won't to happen on those rare occasions when reality intrudes on utopia, Biden is lying while seeking to credit from the country at large for building some, but nearly uh, not nearly enough of a border barrier, Biden is telling his base that he has no choice. Quote, the money was appropriated for the border wall, he said at the White House on Thursday. He really, really, really tried to get Congress to redirect it, but those bad Republicans wouldn't hear of it. <laughs> This from the same man who continues to try to cancel student loans that Congress has not authorized him to cancel, even after the Supreme Court in June's Biden versus Nebraska decision ruled that doing so violates the Constitution he has sworn to he has sworn to uphold. So now, pouts the president, there's nothing under the law other than to use the money for for what it was appropriated for. But the wall construction funding was appropriated four years ago. Why hasn't he had to build any border wall until now? And if he had to do it, then why immediately upon taking office did he order the cessation of border wall construction? Why did he proclaim during the 2020 campaign there will not be another foot of wall constructed on uh, my administration? No one is fooled by this. Biden is trying to maintain progressive cred, even as wall construction ramps up, by emphatically answering no when asked if he thought the construction he has ordered, because, you know, his hands are tied, would be effective. But even as he carries out policy, the Secretary of Homeland Security, Mayorkas, insists, from day one, this administration has made clear that a border wall is not the answer. That remains our position, and our position has never wavered. The livid left is not having it. AOC blasted the administration's cruel policy shift. Quote. This may be the best line, best couple of lines Andrew McCarthy has ever written. Mm. 
The livid left is not having it. Fearless House squad leader AOC blasted the administration's cruel policy shift. Quote, the Biden administration was not required to expand construction of the border wall, and they certainly were not required to waive several environmental laws to expedite the building. Never before have I uttered this. But yes, AOC is right. <laughs> well, there's oh that. My gosh. <laughs> Uh, and they go. He goes through all the legal things, and in fact, as as we have said, but uh, uh, AOC actually hits the the most important point. Hmm. There was no court order to do this, and when they said we're going to repeat, we're going to repeal the environmental laws, a court didn't order them to do that. They decided voluntarily to do this. The administration does not have to do this. Does every Democrat understand that? What do you Democrats? What do you think when the president lies to you? You who want open borders, if you're a Democrat who wants open borders, not all Democrats do, but many do. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you feel? Do you believe the president's telling the truth? Was he forced to do this or is the president lying to you? And not only is he building a wall, but he's circumventing environmental laws and regulations to get it done. You know, it's, again, if you're paying attention, then you know the truth. You can see right through this. The entire approach here by the Biden administration last week was beyond laughable. And he writes it here. Obviously, this is why Mayorkas goes through everything, asserted that he is waiving statutes on his own authority, right. not because Congress had forced the administration's exactly. hand. And not because any court yep. did so. And we said that repeatedly. Where is the and and that's what you would have seen. In fact, the announcement would have been very different if they were forced by Congress, if they were forced by any entity a judge, they would have stepped up and said, we're being forced to do, just so you know, we're being forced to do this. That's why that work on the wall is continuing. And we're going to we're gonna continue the battle to stop building the wall. That's not how that went down yes, uh, last week at all. So I see Andrew McCarthy hit it. The National Review uh, is conservatives. I have not seen one. I've seen the question asked, mm. and I went through a bunch of things. I Googled it yesterday and then again uh, uh, this morning looking for different stories, and none, nobody says. You know, they all say, well, he say he's required to do it, and you don't hear anybody ask the question, is that true Right from the left? Right. So the left is enabling the Biden lie. Now, the interesting thing about this is there's a number of lies here. The lies that he was forced to do it, which is not true. He was not forced to do it, as we explained very simply the other day, and Andrew McCarthy did. Uh, here he goes into much more detail than we did uh, uh, on it and goes through all the different you know, ways for legislation and stating that according to this particular legislation even, forget about the fact that you know they waive the laws. In this type of legislation, he doesn't have to spend the money. Mm-hmm. He doesn't spend the money. Nothing happens. The court's not ordering him to do it. Right. No court. He is voluntarily deciding to do it. So he's lying there. 
Well, if he's lying there, well, ask yourself, why is he expanding the border wall? If it's all a lie to begin with, then why is he doing it? That's where you get to the second lie. When asked, do you believe that border walls work? No. Hmm. Well, yes, he does. Yeah, they absolutely Because does. this is all voluntary. If we've missed, if we haven't connected the dots correctly, some Democrat tell us where we haven't. But so he's lying to you about both things. Biden is admitting he believes a border wall is effective. He could have red taped this yeah. till the end of time, or at least till the end of his presidency. Oh, certainly could. Without any questions from mm-hmm. any person in the media. This is something that he is, in fact, he started out day one doing it. It was one of his first executive orders. Day one. And all of a sudden, his hands are tied. But he doesn't tell you who's tying his hands. It's not the courts. Not Congress. Well, we have to do it. And we also have to go out and throw out a number of laws and regulations to get it done. You know, it's really incredible because he's been on this narrative for a while, which is really interesting because Andrew McCarthy is one of those that really, you know, is, you know, impeachment. Mm-hmm. He, you know, I'm sure he believes it's been abused. He believes Biden. Think about this. He's I mean, I'm sure he has his own thoughts, but this is a kind of guy that Andrew McCarthy and I agree with him most of the time. Sometimes I've disagreed with how he's, you know, how he interprets the, the, the law here. But he says the number of illegal aliens who have entered the United States since Biden took office roughly equals a population of Panama. The Biden illegal population exceeds that of roughly half the states. Louisiana ranked 25th is 4.5 million residents. It exceeds the population of Los Angeles. In fact, it exceeds the population of every major American city except for New York, a formerly proud sanctuary whose own population of more than 8 million has been swelled by the influx of about 120,000 illegal immigrants during the Biden era, only a small percentage of which had been bussed up from overrun Texas, notwithstanding Mayor Adams' bogus attempt to blame Republicans for the catastrophe willfully wrought by Democrats. If Republicans really want to talk about impeachment, this is the impeachable offense Hmm. they should be talking about all day, every day. It is among the worst derelictions of duty by an American president in American history. Joe Biden has been courted into a half-hearted border wall construction not by Congress, whose laws he has habitually uh, flouted, but by his 55% disapproval rating heading into the 2024 election campaign. So he poses towards the right as a born-again border cop and towards the left as a victim whose heart is still in the right place. Uh And Biden being Biden, no one believes a word he says. I mean, that's because it's right there that that there there is no better way to put that, because that's exactly what we're looking at. He's trying to be everything to everybody. Because my guess is that the the um, Rio Grande sector chief, I'm not sure who that is at the time. Probably screaming to Mayorkas, we're being overrun that area where they're where they're building this stretch of wall is the most active. And we're being overrun. 
We absolutely have to have help. And so you throw it on Mayorkas. Mayorkas puts it in the Federal Register. By the way, I wonder if when Mayorkas put that statement in the Federal Register, just thought that, huh, nobody looks at the Federal Register. Well, a lot of us already have, we have alerts set up for updates in the Federal Register. Yeah, I have NFL updates and the Federal Register. <laughs> right. And then the Luby's coupons. <laughs> Just to throw it in. And Luby's coupons. And Luby's coupons. <laughs> but that's, you know, that it's I, I because if you think about how it was done, you know, Mayorkas didn't step up to a podium. No. You know, he just throws it into the federal. Well, you you shouldn't misconstrue what I put in the federal register. Well, I don't think there's a way to misconstrue it. You shouldn't try and lie about it afterward. But then again, a liar is going to lie. I just wonder how many Democrats, just rank and file, not politicians because they know, Mm -hmm. but how many rank and file Democrats that know about this actually believe that Biden is forced to do it or whether they understand he is lying to them. Right, yeah. Because it's such an obvious lie it, that a, can be torn apart so easily. Well, well you're not, the and, and by the way, trying to be everything to everyone means you're nothing to no one. That's the problem that Biden doesn't recognize. And that's what McCarthy points out here. You know, you're trying to portray yourself as a victim to the left and a hero to the right. You're neither. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the top of uh, the hour, we'll have uh, some of the uh, Democratic mayors and uh, governors talking about the border. I'm glad we we uh, we cleared that up, and somebody at least, even though it was just Andrew McCarthy at National Review, said, "Look, Biden's lying, and we all know he's lying. Everybody yeah. knows he's lying. Right? Every Democrat knows he's not being forced to build that border wall. He's doing it because." of his poll numbers, and he's doing it because it's insane what's going on at the border and what's going on in the major cities, major Democratic cities. So we'll get they won't admit it. The Democrats won't admit it. But the, most Democrats, if you're paying attention, you have to know what's happening here. Well, that, that's it. You, you know, you saw last week uh, when NBC News... Uh, was was putting the story out that the pressure's coming from Democrats, that the blue cities are being overrun, and they're screaming now. You know, I mean, Mayor Adams going to Mexico and Central America. That was never going to work, by the way. He was mocked while he was there, by the yeah. way. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. 
from the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning, 866-90-RED-EYE, if you'd like to get in. He's Eric, I'm Gary. Did I say that already? Uh, we're allowed to say it multiple times. Very quickly, you have a good weekend. I mean, I know we're two hours into the show, but uh, just covering so much of what's going on in uh, in Israel right now, your weekend okay? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, weather was good and um, otherwise quiet, except for a lot of breaking news, of course. Yeah, I, I, did, uh, I took a 24-hour trip to San Antonio. Yeah? Just to catch a couple of bands. It's, I'm not, I've done that more this year than I think I have been. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> Taking these one-day right. trips. Right. Mostly they've been to New York to see a couple of bands down to San Antonio. Had a great time. Just great people. Great hotel. I will tell you this. I got back for about ooh, uh, midnight. Okay. Back to my hotel after mm. the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've only been to San Antonio once before. And that mm. was to see the Alamo with my brother a few years back. All right. So when I got the hotel, I got a hotel with the balcony right on the river walk. Yeah. Right. So I get in at midnight. I've got, you know, a couple of bottles, you know, bottled water. I want to make sure. It's... Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there on the balcony. I sat there till 2 a.m. Just looking out. River's going. But there's people out still, you know, and it was great. Beautiful. I mean, the temperature was perfect. Sure. Probably 72, 73 degrees. Mm-hmm. And we had the cold weather move in then on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But I left because I was there for 24 hours. When I left, I'm waiting for the Uber to pick me up from the hotel. I'm freezing. Yeah. It was like 58 degrees with a breeze. Like, this is too much. Yeah. But had a, just had a heck of a lot of fun. Good. I loved San Antonio. Oh. I, I lived there when I was a kid uh, before we moved to Del Rio and loved every minute of it. That was where my parents bought their first house. Uh, Adams Hill Drive, for those familiar with San Antonio, over in the Rainbow Hills area, and it was a it was a new development back then, brand new. In fact, I moved schools. I started school at John Glenn Elementary, and then from second grade, I went to at second grade I went to Adams Hill uh, Elementary, which was. Much further, I mean, by comparison, it was up at the top of the hill, and John Glenn was right there by my house. It was so convenient. But I went to a, another school when they opened that one, and then we moved to Del Rio. And uh, San Antonio was always, and going back to San Antonio, I I love going back. It's always pleasant. It always yeah. feels like home. I want to go back again, and I want to go back to that small music hall again. Uh, the place I was at was called Sam's Music Hall, but they, mm-hmm. they listed as Sam's Burger Joint. Mm-hmm. So when I saw this band that I like was playing there, I went, mm-hmm. Sam's Burger Joint? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, what an excellent little club. Mm-hmm. Best sound of, of two bands that I saw there. Best sound and mix I have ever heard. Even and and I'm thinking of Trans Siberian, how crystal clear they are. Mm-hmm. Even better, mm. yeah. and and I and I don't know why, but it was a perfect mix. They have their own house system there, right. and it was just 
great. Yeah. You know, wasn't blasting. The sound was still, you know, it was powerful enough. Mm-hmm. But the mix was just, you heard everything. It mm-hmm. was like, wow, almost listening, almost listening to the records. Yeah. You, you, if you sat there and went, okay, um, they're lip syncing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you might convince somebody. Mm. Yeah. And so, but had a wonderful, wonderful time. Mm, good. So I'm going to do it again. In fact, I started looking for bands. Like, well, I wonder if there's other bands I like that may play there. Because mm-hmm. if it's about three, four hundred, all right, people and all right, and so like I said, really, really nice place. So can't wait to get back. Yeah, good. And then in Buffalo this weekend. Yeah. Up. Right. Oh, just so people know, in case they didn't know, Dad did get his uh, his pacemaker, and he's doing okay. He's doing yes, he's doing great. Great, Dad. Ninety seven, ninety seven years old. I'll see him this weekend. Right. And uh, he's uh, he's doing great. I forgot that happened a few days back, but I forgot to because p- some people asked me about it. I'd mentioned it that he was considering it, and uh, he had, and just he's he's fine. And it's a very simple procedure. I mean, it's not. It wasn't like he had to go in the hospital for any length of time. It mm-hmm. was outpatient. Mm-hmm. You know, I did right. it at ten. Yeah. He was out by observed him out by three, and yeah, you know, for ninety seven. You just assume that there'd be more concern. They're like, oh no, he's fine. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> Okay. It's like I'm thinking if I if I'm 97 and they put me in for any type even if it's outpatient I'd say yeah. wait a minute could you put me in intensive care? I don't care what you're doing. I'm 97. Yeah. <laughs> no, you you're only having your teeth cleaned. <laughs> right. <laughs> if it's not, if it's more than a teeth cleaning, put me in intensive care yeah. and monitor me for the next 3 days. Right. <laughs> Yeah, my dad has taken his boat out with my sister, my brother-in-law, uh, later this morning. They said, look, if you're off, I was like, yeah. well, I'm not, but thank you for, you know, scheduling it on a Monday. <laughs> no, they're going out uh, 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 to get some crappie. And, man, they just, my dad is such a great fisherman. And then I'm going to most likely travel down to the uh, Gulf of Mexico, where the redfish are running. It's October, so they're running. And uh, see if I can get some slot fish. I have already gotten my one tag fish, which is above 28 inches. I'm looking into a bonus tag, and if not, I can get as many as three within the slot, tw- between 20 and 28 inches. And they're great fish to eat. Oh, my gosh, they're yeah. great. That's awesome. I'm, yeah. going, I'm going back to New York to see my dad a couple of days. My brother is flying back with me so we can golf for a couple of days next mm. week. Yeah. So we just don't get a chance to get together, my brother right. and I. So it was like, yeah. he's like, well, let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. You know, so. Why not? Get back, you know, hang out for a little bit. But, sure. uh, uh, yeah, all in all, it was a great weekend except the fact that, I, well, <laughs> supposed to be 90 today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was when I woke up. Yeah, yesterday morning, 48. Mm, yeah. 48 degrees. Right. So it's a little difference in temperatures. Yeah, we'll uh, settle yeah. into uh, fall apparently here at the end, by the end of the week again. So that'll be good. Hey, are the leaves changing in western New York? I need to know because mm. I'm up there. I took some drives. That's the reason that I go up this weekend. I now do it they, every year. In that region, they've had, they had a cooler than normal summer period for a while yeah yeah they did i mean they had a couple of days i think they hit like the 90s in september mm-hmm. it's like where is that coming from? right 
Yeah. Uh, but no, it's been, it, I was amazed how, you know, it was always 75, 76, 77. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that affects the fall colors, but mm-hmm. this is the time right now, you know, to go up. Remember last year here in Texas for mm-hmm. some reason. Conditions were right. Remember that? And we had, I mean, we had a great. you didn't even have to go out into the country to see it because no. I live a, in a neighborhood that's, uh, that's, it's a very old neighborhood. And and all the all the trees, ninety nine point nine nine percent of the trees are mature trees, and you just had to drive around the neighborhood, and see the fall colors. It was pretty awesome. That was the best fall colors I've seen in my twenty three years here. Yeah, yeah, I'd say the it was, same. And it was weird because it happens later. Mm-hmm. In fact, sometimes some of the best fall weather is between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I think it right. came earlier. It was in. It was like middle of November. It was a couple of weeks after mm-hmm. where the real colors came last year. It was a little bit different, mm-hmm. but that was that was great because I had two autumns. Yeah, <laughs> it's like wow, one back there for a couple of days, and well, one I, here uh, Saturday I had to get out my pole saw and go to work. I had a I, I've got a a tree that's about uh, it's almost fifty years old. Uh, the original owner of the house planted the tree. Uh, seedless mulberry, but man, the, the branches were getting too low over the street. So I uh, got my pole saw and went to work, shoved it in the back of my truck and hauled it off. And and I'm thinking to myself, man, if I could just get all the leaves to fall now, I could get it out of the way. <laughs> well, it's not how it works. Well, that's I'm that, wait, I'm waiting to trim one of my my small tree in the backyard. And it's like, ah, too many leaves. <laughs> it, it does happen with, with fruitless mulberry. If the leaves freeze, if there's ice on the green leaves, this has happened to me two or three times. And then the next morning as the sun comes up, they all just drop. It has to be freezing rain. Basically is what it has to be, but they just all dropped to the ground. There wasn't one leaf left on my tree. That's happened wow. a couple of times over the years. Now, it makes it easy because I don't have any other leaves to mess around with. So for the rest of the year, I'm done. <laughs> well, besides that, nothing happened over the weekend because we don't, neither of us need to talk about our football teams. Yeah. Yeah, neither of us. Need yeah, to I don't bring really the- follow anyway, but yeah. Yeah, we don't need to broach that topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What What's the, uh, what's the record for the Bills? Three and two. All right. Cowboys are four yeah, and I, two. I, yeah, I didn't see any of the game. I don't even know what the Cowboys are. Yeah. All I know yeah, is they I got think I think they may be three Channel and two. Channel eight said uh four yeah. and two, I think. No, they could only could be three and two. Yeah, I'll double check. Yeah, 'cause they're because the season's not that old. Yeah, and they and it's not six. Has any old. have any of the uh teams had a bye week yet? No. They, uh, no, they no, 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 no. Cleveland did I know Cleveland did yesterday. Mm. Yesterday, I think Cleveland did yesterday. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, some teams started yesterday with the with one, but uh, uh, mm. uh, boy, they got Cowboys got killed. <laughs> yeah, three and two. Yeah, three channel. Two, yeah. Then yeah. Uh, one of the local channels had it wrong. They said four and two. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they were hoping after next week's game. Maybe. <laughs> yes. Maybe. <laughs> It was funny because I, and I can't really 
even if I wanted to, I, I can't watch the rest of the year because all the games are later on. I haven't watched. At night. I haven't watched. I just don't yeah, have any interest yeah. in, I anymore watched, at all. I watched one game this year yeah. because it was on uh, last week, I think it was. But yeah. uh, all the games for me, uh, for now, for the rest of the year, for the Bills, almost all of them are, you know, 4 o'clock games mm. Eastern time. So I'm Sunday I'm asleep and then or night games mm. because – Everybody, the NFL takes the teams that were good for the last couple of years, then eventually decides to give them primetime spots, then they suck, and then they regret giving them the primetime spots. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I did see. I do have one football note. Hmm? It was like, <laughs> Kaepernick may have two football choices. Saw that this past weekend. <laughs> that that uh, the CFL now... It isn't that the CFL, the Canadian Football League, and and Kaepernick are talking. It's just the BC Lions said, if he decides to play in the Canadian Football League, we have first dibs on Kaepernick. Okay. That's what it was. It's oh, not okay. that they're not negotiating, apparently. Right. All right. And then The Rock in the XFL, USFL, whatever, mm. said they had talks with Kaepernick, but he doesn't think anything's going to happen. Yeah, right. Well, no, no, no. Kaepernick has been very clear. He wants to be rejected by the NFL, not the others. <laughs> Can't be a victim if you're rejected by the XFL. But I, it was so funny because the headline, Kaepernick may have two choices to return to football. Like, <laughs> yeah, not really. And I knew what it was. I said, it's, okay, it's got to be the Wouldn't XFL. That'd be funny if, they, if he tried out for both the XFL. He tried out for the XFL. Yeah, we're not interested. He got caught. Gets, he gets rejected by the XFL. <laughs> that and, would be funny. And that's our depressing football news. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Uh, all right. On uh, the situation at the, the border, uh, Mayor Adams coming back from uh, New York, coming back from his Central America discouragement tour. Mm. <laughs> Please, we're not open. Did you read? The, there were a number of articles out there saying he's having the opposite effect. Yeah, it's going to bring more people in. I no, you're just, you're drawing attention right. to it. You know, we weren't considering New York. By the way, in in Colombia, when he was in Colombia, they were basically screaming at him, "You should be ashamed of yourself!" Yes. <laughs> wow. Uh, here he is on Face the Nation, uh, Mayor Adams from New York yesterday. We can't have a rule that one can come from anywhere on the globe and come to New York City and remain in New York City as long as they want, and taxpayers must pick up the cost. This is a $5 billion price tag uh, this fiscal year, $12 billion over three years. That money is coming from somewhere. It's unfair to the migrant seekers and asylum seekers, and it's also unfair to everyday taxpayers in New York, New York. Oh, oh uh, he put his uh, his taxpayers second there. I noticed that part. <laughs> but also, yeah, you can have such a rule because you do right now. Yeah. 
You have a this is what you voted. This is the rule. This is what the people of New York City voted for. There's a, a way there's what? a way to change it. I mean, there's this obvious disconnect. Why is this happening? Well, you have a right to shelter law and a sanctuary law. Are, are you are you paying attention to what the laws right. of, of your own city passed by the elected representatives of the city passed? Does Mayor Adams, do the people of New York, do you understand the way the system runs? And do you understand when you pass a sanctuary city law and a right to shelter law, that you are inviting people in. It's like having a party, inviting everybody, and then when everybody shows up, you're angry about it. Yeah, We can't have this uh, this kind of law. Yeah, you can. We've seen you do it. It's not a rule. We can't have a rule, as he says. Mm-hmm. As if someone just unfairly came up with this rule and threw it in. Yeah, wait. I'm, I'm waiting for him to blame Trump for it. <laughs> well. If Biden's doing it, <laughs> I've got to build the wall. It's Trump's fault. Trump's, Trump's making me. You know, they, they sorry, they, they made this happen during the Trump years. I'm I'm forced to build the wall. No, you're not. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just a caveman president. I'm not familiar with your fancy laws, rules, and regulations. <laughs> By the way, Kareem Jean-Pierre last week, we kind of skimmed over it, but we believe in the rule of law. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. We believe in the rule of all your college debt is canceled. We believe in the rule of law. Are you kidding me? We believe in the rule. Then why'd you do something else? Why did he do something? Are you saying on January 20th of 2021, he did not believe in the rule of law? Because his executive order put the brakes on building the wall on that day. Are you accusing him of breaking the law? (laughs) We believe in the rule of law. I know. It's hilarious. I mean, it's just like, stop it. (laughs) Stop it. It's just and 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 the disconnect. I mean, they look like I mean, Adams looks like a, an idiot. Yeah, because it's a, well, oh, this, no, is, this is so unfair. A, you invited them, and he knows it. Yeah, he knows he's of not course. properly connecting the dots because right. he's the one that's gone to what he's tried to go to court to get rid of being a sang- temporarily suspend uh, right to shelter, right, and temporarily suspend sanctuary cities. Yeah, and the judges are like. Why? Why? That we, city we, council could do that tomorrow. You, you could do that. Yeah. You don't need me. Yeah. Show me where you've made the effort. If you don't download our app, Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, all right, here we go. I, uh, more from, this is uh, Governor Pritzker of, of uh, Illinois. 
on mm. the immigration crisis uh, that is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me uh, answer your question by saying that, you know, we were very clear in our communication with the White House that uh, what we need is logistical support, that is help uh, deciding where these folks ought to go because they can't all go to Chicago and New York uh, and D.C. They need to go uh, in places where uh, there's even more help to offer. We, of course, are a welcoming state and have been caring for the people who've arrived, but we can't bear the burden only Who ourselves. can? Where so do we they go? communicate that. Well, l- let me also say that the White House has been told, you know, we need resources. And you talk about the Congress uh, being in chaos. Uh, the House of Representatives is opposed to any kind of comprehensive immigration reform. It seems like now is the moment to talk about border security and immigration mm-hmm. reform. We Wait a minute, because right, th- that seems to be the narrative, and this is why the Republicans need to get it together and have a, 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 uniform, or a mm-hmm. unified voice uh, mm-hmm. uh, on this, uh, because you hear consistently the Democrats and people in the media saying, well, what we need is comprehensive immigration reform. Right. No, you need border security first. Yep. What's com- comprehensive immigration reform? We have an asylum system already. Look, they're they're talking in circles because yep. they can't acknowledge the actual problem. Our border is being overrun as a result of the policy by this administration. Yes. It needs to be reversed. That's. The entire equation from start to finish, a a complete 180, which would include building the wall, not just that part of it, but the rest of it, and also reinforcing the border with more agents and more funding. They're not about to say that out loud, so they throw out the decades-old comprehensive immigration reform without discussion right without detailing how that would solve the problem right now exactly and you know she asked well what city can accommodate because that's the question now that everybody that's looking at this that has any ounce of critical thinking skills is saying to themselves because for those in new york city Imagine a town of 32, 33,000, Del Rio, Texas, where it's been going on and on and on and on and on. And this administration ramped it up to the degree where towns like Del Rio, Laredo, Eagle Pass, which got some attention thanks to Elon Musk, all of these towns, much smaller Almost no resources to accommodate this. And the left believes that now they should just remember who was it? And it was the it was uh, the D.C. mayor. She said, well, no, that's you know, that this is for Texas to handle, not us. No. Every town's a border town. Every town deals with it eventually. And now the media is paying attention. The big lie is, as you hear here, is we need to have, uh, you know, their their, uh, comprehensive immigration reform. Mm -hmm. And he at least said border security. Right. Because normally they don't say that. What you hear is we need comprehensive immigration reform. What is going on at the border right now has nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do with comprehensive immigration reform. No. Nothing. No. 
One is border security. The other one would be, all right, how do we allow legal immigrants into the country? Mm -hmm. They're two totally separate issues. Yep. Because the one main thing that needs to change on the rules or the rule breaking of this administration, and that is the allowance on asylum. Yes. That needs to be undone yesterday. Right. And that can be undone. Yep. And if, if there's a problem, the Republicans will support Democrats completely. Uh, if the Democrats want tighter border security and to instill that the rules and regulations are very, very, very tough for asylum into this country yep. that is using the standard that we have used traditionally. Right. And not the expansive one right now. Climate change. Oh, that's an easy one to get into any country. Right. We're allowing climate refugees in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your nation is more prosperous than mine. I mean, because of climate change. Exactly. You could <laughs> you can go down the entire list. But the problem is, is that in order to reverse it, they would have to go back to Trump era policy. They fought against the Trump era policy. They fought to throw it all out. Oh, except building a wall. This is insanity. Right now, there is no reason for this to be going on. It is by choice. This is a choice that we make. Because everybody, uh, you had enough people vote for Joe Biden. And we all saw him campaigning in 2020. If you were deported during the Trump years, come back. We want you here. We want you here. We want you here. Mayor Adams, we don't want you here. Governor Hochul, we really don't don't want you here. Yeah, by and and that's why. Look, that that's why we have said from the Democratic standard of what they did for Trump that it was xenophobic and racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, the border policy, they are now xenophobic and racist by their sta- by the Democrat standard, mm-hmm. by their own standard. Right. Uh, this is uh, uh, Pete Ducey last week. I want to play this audio with Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre. Here we go. Thank you. The governor of Illinois has written to President Biden to say the federal government's lack of intervention and coordination at the border has created an untenable situation for Illinois. Does anybody outside of the White House think the immigration policy is working. So here's what I can tell you. I just mentioned that the president requested $4 billion uh, for a supplemental uh, funding to address what we're seeing at the border, right, and uh, to manage what is happening currently at the, at the southwest border more specifically. And Republicans continue to block us. Okay, what does that mean? Did the Because he's talking about, Pritzker talking about what's going on at the border. The border security mm-hmm. isn't there. Is Corrine Jean-Pierre talking about that there's $4 billion in money that the that the administration wants for border security that the Republicans are refusing to sign? Because that was the question he was asking, because right. he was talking about Pritzker right. talking about, and you see Pritzker's now bringing up, and he's the first Democrat really to loudly you know say that 
as he did on the Sunday morning news shows yesterday on Face mm-hmm. the Nation, mm-hmm. that also we need border security. And so that's what Ducey's referring to. She's saying, oh, well, we've asked for $4 billion and the Republicans are refusing. No, you're not asking for $4 billion for border security. No. You're asking for $4 billion to feed and clothe and shelter the migrants in the United States, which will encourage more to come over. It's not to stop the flow. It's not to stop the flow. No. And I believe, by the way, ultimately that's what the left and what Joe Biden have wanted all along. Oh, no, this is what they want. This Not is just a, the open right. border, but to ramp up public spending in, in these in these towns to accommodate. What they run into is their own constituents, even the people that voted for them, who have said repeatedly over the years, you and I go back to the one border surge where they were saying because they were housing illegals and migrants in schools, and they were saying, wait a minute, we're spending all this money on them, and they're not spending any money in our in our neighborhood. They're not spending money on us. And we're the citizens. And I believe that's what you, I mean, that's going to be the push. Public money to establish more housing for non-citizens. Because they don't, because there's no way in the world they do a 180. That's not going to happen as long as Joe Biden is president. It just isn't going to happen. So that's the problem, like everything else. They won't actually address what the problem is now. Right. And so when the Democrats talk about comprehensive immigration reform, that's got nothing to do with border security. No. No, it needs to be earmarked and dedicated specifically for enforcement of the border. Right. And And it needs to be paired with reversing the rules on asylum. But that's not going to happen either. No. You have prominent Democrats who have said it in the last couple of months. You know, it's like uh, with hockey season beginning this week. Because football season for both of us isn't looking too good. Mm. With hockey season beginning this week, that's like, well, what do you need to make your hockey team better? Well, we want to put money into concessions. Mm-hmm. One doesn't apply to the other. All right. We want hot dogs that taste good. That's got nothing to do with your hockey team on the ice. What a exactly- greater selection of team apparel. <laughs> exactly. That's And that's what the Democrats are doing. Well, we can't solve this because the Republicans don't want comprehensive immigration reform. Right. right. That's not the topic. No. It's about border right. enforcement it, and reinforcement. And notice this. Notice that when any Democrat brings up comprehensive immigration reform, they are never asked how that relates to the to security at the border. They're never asked what it means. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the last time a reporter said, Okay, you mentioned that the problem is comprehensive immigration reform and the Republicans don't do that. What do you mean specifically with comprehensive immigration reform? Right. Because comprehensive immigration reform, to me, would mean what is the policy for allowing legal immigrants into the United States? That has nothing to do with border security 
and allowing illegal immigrants and gaps in the border to come in or basically waiving the traditional asylum rules that we have had and allowing anybody to come in and say, come back in 10 years and, uh, you know, come back, report to the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, I said IRS building. Mm. <laughs> well, the IRS is going to want to know. <laughs> That's be the next thing. Mm. Okay. Migrants are here. Are we taxing them mm. <laughs> the way they're going? But, uh, you, you know, uh, what this is when you have to go before an immigration judge, mm-hmm. you know, they wouldn't be saying, okay, Come on over. The next two to ten years, you have to report to an immigration judge. That's not a sane, you know, border security situation. No. And that's that's what the problem is right now. It's got nothing to do with what decisions the American public or Congress makes involving legal immigration into this country. This is about border security. Yep. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, just more video coming out from uh, Israel yesterday, and it's interesting watching CNN just frame everything as the militants, the yeah. militants, the right. militants, the mm-hmm. militants. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, the uh, uh, the congressman from New York, uh, Richie Torres, who said they got to stop using the term militant. This this was a terrorist attack. It was not militants. This isn't a military action. It was a terrorist attack that targeted civilians. Yep, they sought out civilians. In fact, it's evident that they sought out civilians in large groups. This was going to be their tactic, and they and Iran helped in the planning and execution of this attack. This is a terrorist attack, full stop. I'm just looking at more video from that uh, the music festival that they held, and it's just brutal. I mean, it's yeah. just... Uh, so much of the video is just absolutely brutal. This had nothing to do with, you know, going after uh, military assets. Right. And that's why I said earlier, I said this wasn't even Pearl Harbor, you know, with sneak attack, but they went after, for the most part, military installations. Mm -hmm. As we know, this was purely targeted at civilians. This is like 9-11. Right. It was a targeted, we're going to target civilians you could look at the Pentagon as a military target. Mm-hmm. Clearly, the World Trade Center was not. Mm-hmm. But this was fully to go after civilians, children, grandmothers, yep. grandfathers. Yep. That was their goal. Yep. To purely terrorize by killing innocent civilians, massacring them. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, 
It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, uh, good morning. <laughs> Thank you for uh, being here. We uh, appreciate it. Uh, just uh, looking here, this uh, uh, story out there. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, happy Canadian Thanksgiving to all of our Canadian friends out there and our listeners uh, out there from Canada. And we know we have a lot of them because we hear from them quite uh, frequently. And this story applies to Canada. Leaked emails show Canadian media executive demanding journalists avoid using term terrorist in Hamas coverage. Uh, Do not refer to militants, soldiers, or anyone else as terrorists, said the director of journalistic standards at CBC News, told employees in an email sent midday Saturday. The notion of terrorism remains highly politicized and is part of the story, even when quoting, clipping a government or source referring to fighters as terrorists, we should add context to ensure the audience understand this opinion, not fact. Hmm. That's in Canada, and that's with you know and they justified the actual uh, uh, letter mm-hmm. uh, stating that we're only trying to do the the facts. Well, what is a you know what is a what is a militant? Because they say soldiers, fighters, are those soldiers or fighters? Or are they terrorists that are going after civilian populations? They're targeting civilians. They're targeting directly. civilians. That They're was terrorists. their goal to yes. kill as many civilians as possible. Right. That's what a terrorist is. Yep. <clears throat> a, t- a person who uses unlawful violence, especially against civilians, in the pursuit of political aims. That's a terrorist. Well, I mean, what's next? Is the left going to say, well, are they really civilians? Because in order to to get away with this whole pile of garbage of not calling them terrorists, then what you have to say is, well, they weren't targeting civilians or these people weren't all civilians deny reality and once again we can point to the left with worried more about words than actions Mm -hmm. well obviously when you see you know some of the footage out there you know what's going on yep shooting lining up civilians and executing them shooting people coming out of a concert and just mowing people down is terrorism. Yeah. And that's we'll stop. Yeah, and that's what's going on. Yep. Shooting in civilian areas. Now I will say this, Israel told uh, uh everyone in the Gaza, leave your homes. You've got a warning. Get right, out. Right. But unfortunately, when this happens, when there's a targeting of civilians, you will see the other side, it's just the reality of war. Mm-hmm. The other side then views that as justifiable actions because of what you did. Yeah. 
Like I say, it was uh, Representative uh, Torres who has taken off at the media on it. Uh, he's a liberal Democrat and said, this is terrorism. Yeah. This isn't, you know, uh, a, you know a, a militant, combative or aggressive in support of a political or social cause, typically favoring extreme or confrontational methods, sometimes violent. No. This is the targeting of civilians yep. to murder civilians, to kill civilians, to kidnap civilians. That was the goal. That was the goal. That was it. And you see that CNN is using the term militants consistently, too. Right. I don't I don't know what what Fox is using or whatever, but these are terrorists. By the oh, definition, yeah. so that's not a political statement. Well, I don't like these people, so I'm going to call them a terrorist. Mm-hmm. This is terrorism. Yep. End of story. Well, again, you know, the left too afraid to use words and to and and not talk about the actions not describe in full right and the the term militant the milla part of of it you know makes it sound like okay you're involved in fighting a war Mm -hmm. between soldiers Mm -hmm. that's not what happened no and everyone these were not military targets right they were civilians They're the actions of terrorists. Yes. And it wasn't, uh, you know, the focus wasn't military with then collateral damage. The focus of it was to kill civilians. Yes. That is terrorism. Yep. Yeah, looking around here, I know at least one story at Fox News uses the word terrorist. Okay. And the reason that you said that, I'm sure... I think I can speak for you here is because quite often Fox News gets caught up in the wording game mm-hmm. on a number of issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least well, in one story, again, I, I can't vouch for every story. I haven't read every story from FoxNews.com. Well, it's how many stories have we read from conservative media that's talked about how they're against uh, the the uh, the radical transgender movement mm-hmm. and then uses the proper pro or the the preferred pronoun right. by the person that they're talking about. Right. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. And people know that they recognize it because at times when we have read from articles that have used it mm-hmm. and we've even pre- you know, prefaced, look, this is the article that we're reading. Because when we say it, we, we, uh, you're identified to us by your biological sex. If you choose to have whatever name you choose to have, that's fine. Yeah. Right. Doesn't matter to us. Uh, But when you want to identify yourself and it's scientifically incorrect, that's where we stop. Mm. But, yeah, we caught Fox has done that a lot on issues with with the, the transgenders. An issue that is against the transgender movement will then have the the person's preferred pronoun. Right. Well, no, sorry, that's where it starts. So yeah, that's um you know, I think it's 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 important to see how the media is covering it. We know how it's gonna be interesting to see today what what uh what happens um and this week what happens 
just in general from the uh, the Republicans and mm. the the attack on you know for example oh, well how the Democrat leadership responds to the reprehensible things that members of the squad yeah have uh, have thrown out well you know? and again that's where you know when we talk about it. Um, it, it has been over and over again showing deference to terrorists. And that shouldn't be tolerated at all. It shouldn't be tolerated. And yet they still get away with it. And they get away with it because the liberal media allows them to get away with it. They're part of it as well. These are activists in these newsrooms. Here's something that I didn't know that did not get much publicity. Hmm. National Review had it. Phil Klein. When Hamas launched a brutal assault on Israel overnight, the Biden administration's Office of Palestinian Affairs initially called on Israel to refrain from violence and retaliatory attacks before deleting the post. Hmm. Uh, and the, 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 the post, we condemn the attack of Hamas terrorists and the loss of life that occur. We urge all sides to refrain from violence and retaliatory attacks. Terror and violence solved nothing. Then they deleted it. Well, that's it. They want it stopped because the truth of the matter is the left understands what Israel is going to do. When Israel declared war on Hamas, the writing is on the wall. Yeah. And when they say, you need to leave Gaza, you need to get out of the way, then it tells you that the full force of Israeli forces is coming. And they know that. And the left knows that. Instead of condemning these terrorist attacks, we just want peace. Where's the call by the media to condemn these attacks? Why aren't you condemning these terrorist attacks? They're seeking out civilians, hundreds of them, at a music festival. This is by design. It was their plan. The actions of terrorism, once again, right in front of our eyes, and we're too afraid to use words because we might offend someone? Uh, look, the, the result is no different. You know, they, they, it is the liberals would be first to look at uh, any type of mass murder and say it's domestic terrorism, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We'll have a thousand of them doing what happened here. Right. Well, all of a sudden it becomes a militant. Right. Uh, at CNN.com using the word fighters. Fighters. Hamas yeah. fighters. Yep. We're afraid yeah. we might offend somebody. Yeah. Look, John Nolte, I think, in Breitbart makes a great point. Understand who live among us. Right. That they've cheered the 
the absolute mass murder, the rape, the torture, the kidnapping. They were celebrating. And it has some Democrats' support. Yep. How can there not be clear and complete condemnation? 86690 Red Eye. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. In order to manage speed, you need to understand the four factors involved in stopping a vehicle. Perception distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time you see a hazard until your brain recognizes it. The perception time for an alert driver is approximately three fourths of a second. Reaction distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time your brain tells your foot to move from the accelerator until your foot hits the brake pedal. The average driver has a reaction time of three-fourths of a second. Brake lag distance also needs to be taken into account. When operating a vehicle with air brakes, it takes about half a second for the mechanical operation to take place. Finally, braking distance is the distance it takes a vehicle to stop once the brakes are applied. Braking distance is affected by the weight, length, and speed of the vehicle, as well as road condition. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Radio, he's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. I have to say, too, that the White House continues with just the worst type of uh, imagery. Mm. Uh, first off, when the president, uh, you know, gave a speech and turned around without taking any questions and walked right away. That's just like you shake your head. Yeah. Out, my God. Yeah. And and uh, then the president criticized for the uh, the White House holding a barbecue Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening. Yeah, they couldn't uh, yep. put that on delay, shelve that event for a while. And it's after one of the pool reporters. In the late, a reporter overheard a live band at the White House on Saturday evening and inquired why. In the late afternoon and early evening, a live band could be heard uh, from the area near the Rose Garden. The pool reporter wrote, your pooler asked why a band was playing uh, from the White House. The president and first lady are hosting a barbecue for White House Executive residents, staff, and their families. Conservatives gathered on uh, Twitter, Hmm. well, X, to express their disapproval. Josh Hawley said, while Hamas holds American hostages, Joe Biden is enjoying a picnic with a live band. Said Virginia Congressman Scott Taylor, given recent events and certainly the news of many Americans being held hostage in Gaza, I think I would have canceled the White House barbecue with the live band. And the narrative basically, you know, continued on, uh, you know, on that narrative. Right. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Well, this is this is a 9-11 for Israel. And, and by the way, multiple and, people had the opportunity to to look at that and say, hey, we need to move this. We need to not have this today. Not yeah. just Biden, but everybody that works for him there in the White House 
Are you telling me no one spoke up? Apparently they didn't. How did the chief of staff say all events on the White House lawn? Not today. Maybe not for a while. Maybe we're sensitive to things going on right now in Israel. And as we have uh, talked about, and, and we went into specific details uh, earlier about uh, some military experts saying, how could Israeli intelligence fail? And mm. they said, you know, basically the same way that if you keep it extremely quiet and just within a few leaders, they believe that most of the terrorists didn't know what their mission was right. until they went on it. Right. They yeah. they weren't told about it. Now, when you look at the arms buildup that was necessary for that, you do you. It's a legit question. Where was the Israeli intelligence, but also where was the American intelligence? And I know if I'm president of the United States and this thing happens like it did and I'm seeing this footage, the first thing I'm saying is, guys, the barbecue's done. We got to figure out what's going on and how we respond to this. Yeah, how did how did we not see right. this? I, I want to know. I mean, that's what I'd want to know as oh, president. Yeah. I want to know Wait, where all the wh- holes what, are. Wh- why didn't we... Why didn't we catch this? Right. You know, I want to I want to talk to people in the CIA right now. I want to find out what in the hell happened here. Mm-hmm. That'd be my first concern. Right. Not having a barbecue for the staff. Right. Because, it, number one, there's something huge that we missed in terms of uh, the movement of people and what it took, the resources it took leading up to right. it. Or and or. There's a new tactic that they're putting into practice now that we that we missed, and we need to find out what that is, how they were able to stay under the radar right. like this. And the other thing I'd be concerned about immediately was, well, we basically had an open border where anybody could get in whenever they mm-hmm. want. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to be concerned about our border security. Sorry, the, bar- the bar- barbecue can wait a couple of days. Yes. We can do that next week. Right. Yeah, it's just, I mean, the imagery is just horrible. Well, and, absolutely. And Biden horrible. once again looks bothered that right. he has to talk about it. No, you're, I mean, that's the thing, too. When you don't take any questions, like, I want to make a statement that I need to get to the barbecue. Yeah. I got important things to do. And again, not surprised. No. I mean, he did it. He did it when Americans were killed in Afghanistan. He ignored reporters' questions. Right. Turned around and uh, turned his back right on the American people in Afghanistan and was lying consistently. So if he's going to lie to Americans and he's going to turn his back on Americans, Israelis, come on. Right. There's no problem. Yeah. Nah. He doesn't care. No. There are a couple of things. He doesn't care, and they know. They also know they can't put him out there in front of the media to answer questions on the fly. They just can't do that. Listening to Red Eye Radio. 
from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, with the UAW strike on, really nobody's paying attention, are they, really? I mean, you haven't heard anything. Not much. Really, it's not a big news story anymore. There's two articles that I thought were fascinating over the weekend. Mm. One brought me something I didn't know about the UAW, where they're recruiting. Mm. Wait till you hear that in a moment. Mm. But first, uh, Kevin Williamson, who used to be, I believe, with National Review. wrote this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, wrote this in the New York Post. And this is about the economic reality as to where the unions are today, where the UAW is, and where uh, the automobile industry is. Because mm-hmm. UAW strike shows big three automakers are already in the scrapyard. Mm. You know, we talked about how, oh, the uh, former Obama uh, economist, oh, I can't think of, uh, Lawrence Summers. Yeah. How he said, wow, this is like almost an end game. They're just trying to get whatever they can because they know they're gone. Then that was the that was the Obama economist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He says now that the long national nightmare of the writer strike has come to a close. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody notice? <laughs> we may at last turn our attention to another unhappy and increasingly ir- irrelevant union workforce being challenged by Korean imports. The UAW strike. Hmm. What Squid Game is to Hollywood writers. The Hyundai sedan is to the U.S. auto industry, a product that has the bosses wondering what exactly they are getting for those inflated union wages at home. The thing is, Detroit doesn't matter. Not very much. Not in the big picture. We still talk about the big three domestic automakers, which is wrong in two ways. There aren't three of them, and they're not that big. Stellantis, the company that owns Dodge, Ram, and Jeep brands, is not a U.S. company, having been absorbed by a Netherlands-based firm more than a decade ago. That's what we got for two Chrysler bailouts. Mm -hmm. Ford is the larger of the two remaining members of the big three. However, it is no longer. I don't think people realize this. Ford, however, it is no longer among the 100 largest U.S. companies or even among the 150th largest companies. With a market capitalization of a little less than $50 billion. It is a good deal larger than General Motors, $33 billion, but only about half the size of Starbucks and less valuable than the company that makes Monster Energy drinks. Hmm. More, to, more to the point, Ford and General Motors combined are worth about 10% of the nearly $800 billion valuation of Tesla, which is not currently suffering from a strike. By the way, that's not going to last long term mm-hmm. for Tesla. But uh, Elon Musk may be a goofy social media troll, but he isn't fooling, uh, he, he isn't fooling enough to make his business hostage to the UAW. Tesla operates the most productive car factory in the United States. It's plant in Fremont, California. Among the other U.S. factories that produce the most cars and trucks, as opposed to the ones that produce the most headlines, most are owned by non-U.S. companies and operate in right-to-work states. Michigan repealed its right-to-work law earlier this year. The number one car factory is Tesla's operation in California. 
the number two car factory in the United States, is Toyota's operation in Kentucky. Number three is BMW's plant in South Carolina. And number four is Toyota again operating in Princeton, Indiana. Rounding out the top five is Ford, which makes its highly profitable Super Duty trucks and Expedition SUVs in right-to-work Kentucky. Toyota likes to remind pickup shoppers that its Tundra trucks are made in Texas. Mercedes-Benz makes the most profitable products for the U.S. market, including its $200,000 Mercedes Maybach GLS SUV in Alabama. But for some reason, we still talk a lot about Detroit and its so-called Big Three. In reality, the best-selling sedan in the United States is a Toyota Camry. The Malibu is the only sedan made by Chevy today. Ford, meanwhile, no longer makes any sedan for the U.S. market. Yeah, they announced that years ago. Yep. Or any regular passenger cars other than the Mustang having uh, having decided to sell only trucks and SUVs in the land where Henry Ford invented the modern automobile industry. And here's a reality check. The biggest auto exporting state is Hmm. South Carolina, not Michigan. And they go, it's long. It it has uh, been long since automakers were top drivers of the U.S. economy. The companies that contribute most to the U.S. economy are mostly in technology, finance, and healthcare. The UAW is a relic of a time in which brawn, men turning wrenches and lifting things, was a critical economic input that is no longer the case, which is why the largest private sector employers in the United States are not manufacturers but shops and fleets. The increasing automation of warehouse and delivery work is going to eat into those jobs too, and nothing's going to stop it. Happily, there are sectors of the U.S. economy that are absolutely thriving. If politicians really cared about the overall prosperity of the American people, then they would pay attention to the interest of the firms that actually create the wealth and jobs rather than declaring war on highly productive companies such as Apple and Alphabet. Instead of doing the smart thing, the people in Washington act as though we were still in the Eisenhower years turning wrenches. Joe Biden is an economically ignorant sentimentalist who likes to say that unions built the middle class, but that is, as a matter of fact, not true. There has never been any time in American history where the majority of workers were unionized and the artificially high wages and generous benefits of union jobs are paid for with reduced uh, wages and benefits for workers elsewhere in the economy. That shouldn't come as a huge surprise. Unions are monopolies. They enjoy a legal privilege from the government to be the sole provider of labor in a particular market, and they display precisely those economic pathologies associated with other monopolies. They harm consumers by charging prices above the competitive market rate. Nobody likes doing business with a monopoly, so in the long run, production shifts to areas where the monopoly can't reach such as offshoring manufacturing work, Hmm. or to places where the monopoly's effects are reduced, as in the uh, shift to -to right-to-work states. Again, this is all predictable. In 1950, Detroit had 1.9 million people and 300,000 
manufacturing jobs. Today, Detroit has 632,000 people and 23,000 manufacturing jobs. Ironically, Detroit has more workers struggling with the lack of access to an automobile than it has workers making automobiles. If unions are building the middle class, they aren't doing it in Detroit. On the other hand, Apple paid about as much in corporate taxes in 2022 as General Motors made in total profit that year. The reason Toyota thrives in Texas, while General Motors had to be propped up with, excuse me, there are reasons uh, why Toyota thrives in Texas, while General Motors had to be propped up with government bailouts. Uh, You can only evade market reality so long. UAW's business model does not have a future. And when you look at the, if this is the end game ultimately uh, for the big three, well, there is not going to be the same political will that there was in 2008, 2009. There just isn't. And there's also not going to be the Penske's of the world and other companies showing up at the table to buy parts or all of those companies and take them over. Just simply isn't. With the exception of maybe another EV company, but they're not going to be doing business. They're not going to be doing manufacturing in a in a in a union state. That just isn't going to happen. They're not going to buy into something where they put their own death knell in the in the coffin to begin with. They might buy in some property rights and pieces. But if this is the end game of the big three, then it will mean unless there is a reversal of the EV mandates, then it will mean just that, the end. Yeah. Uh, And you have, this is an article written, you wonder, okay, where's the UAW expanding? Mm -hmm. I didn't know this. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain says his union strike is the Wall Street Journal is about the working class fighting corporate greed and elites. President Biden seems to agree, (laughs) yet that narrative is betrayed by the UAW's fast-growing membership at elite public and nonprofit universities where academic workers are bargaining for living wages. California's public universities now employ about 58,000 UAW members, more than any of Detroit's big three automakers. In 2021, the union boasted about 100,000 academic members nationwide. It may soon have more members on college campuses than in car manufacturing. While the UAW has struggled to organize employees of foreign automakers and Tesla, it is recruiting new members in graduate student employees who earn far less than those in the auto industry. Greedy universities where the ultimate elites yeah. are in this country, right. exploit graduate students for cheap labor, leaving many unable to find gainful employment after finishing their degrees. Hmm. On September 21st, more than 3,000 Northeastern University grad students voted to join the UAW. Man, they're doomed if they think that's where their, their, their success is going to be. This shows the desperation of the UAW. Hmm. Five days later, graduate and postdoctoral students at the California Institute of Technology announced they had collected enough UAW authorization cards to unionize. On September 29th, the union won an election to represent more than 1,000 graduate student workers at the University of Maine. 
Graduate student workers at Harvard, New York University, and Columbia have also joined the UAW. This growing academic proletariat is demanding (laughs) higher pay for teaching undergraduates, grading coursework, and conducting research for tenured professors who earn multiples more and work less. A six-day strike last fall by UC graduate workers ended shortly before Christmas when the university agreed to increase pay and benefits. Under the new labor deal, teaching assistants at Berkeley earn 31000 for two semesters of work, up from 23000 Graduate researchers make 32400 annually, a $10,000 increase. Auto workers are paid considerably more. Mm. But it shows you where all the unions are going. Unions are moving out of the private sector. Right. And into where labor never wanted to go. Remember George Meany? Right. The labor leader never, never was absolutely against unions in government. And now that's where unions are going. Well, because the public in the public sector, there isn't a profit motive. It's not about right. profit. Not about profit. But that's the only place where they believe they can go. And really, it's because of the liberalism that exists there to do that. But the public isn't. Public's not going to go along with that. No. Only for a certain length of time. No. When the government monopoly also has a labor monopoly. Sorry. Especially at public universities. Yep. There's already a pushback on universities to begin with. People aren't going to afford those educations. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's our crony, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, and I think, uh, you know, both of those stories that we just uh, read on the UAW situation comes back to basic economics, which we've always talked about before. You can't run away from economics. Yeah. You can't, right. I mean, you, you can't change economics. Right. You can change, you know, government, for example, uh, can hurt an economy or help an economy but when we say you can't change economics is you can't change how people respond to incentive. And that's what economics is. Yep. And nobody can do that. They believe they can. You know, uh, you know, we've heard it from we've heard it from uh, Democrats before mm-hmm. when I, the oil companies were a perfect thing. Well, if the oil companies are making too much of a profit, we're going to tax them more. Well, then they'll raise the price. Well, no, they won't. Well, sure they will. They always raise the price. No, but if we tell them not to, that they that they won't do that. Yeah. No. They're greedy now. They won't be right. greedy then. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Doesn't Company, work. Companies and people. Doesn't work that way. They worry about their own self-interest. Right. That's economics. This is Red Eye Radio.
on what? Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.